Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. Chapter 6 today, and we're going to read... Um, we're going to read verses 1 through 5, and so as you're turning there, um, just want to let you know this morning we have uh, seven people that are going to be baptized this morning. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Listen, when they get baptized, you got to cheer louder than that, all right? Or I'm going to come down out of that tank soaking wet, and I'm going to give you a hug, and you're going to go home cold, all right? So you better, you better cheer loud when they, uh, when they, when they are baptized today. We're, we're celebrating um, just what God's doing in their life, and um, some of these, they're being baptized for the first time. Some, they're being baptized maybe for the 101st time, um, but the beautiful thing is, is they're being obedient to the Holy Spirit. And uh, if you want to be water baptized, listen, we'd love for you, uh, we'd love for you to do that. If, uh, if you've got a change of clothes in your car and you want to be baptized today, I'll baptize you at the end of service. But we're going to do that at the end of service today, and, um, and then uh, we'll head out from there. But just want, uh, want you to be uh, excited and ready for that, and we'll, we'll dive into that here in just, in just a few moments. But we're going to go to Joshua chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 1 through 5. And uh, the title of my message this morning is Conquering the Promise. Conquering the Promise. Tell your neighbor, you got to conquer. Tell your neighbor, you got to conquer. Um, I, um, we've, we've, been in, we've been in Joshua for the last several weeks, and, and some of these uh, messages that the Lord's been putting on my heart have been from the same passages. Uh, but uh, one thing I found is that if you'll just follow the Holy Spirit, you can't help but be blessed. And so uh, I want to talk to you this morning, this message about conquering the promise, because um, every single person that's here this morning, you have a promise from God. If you, uh, if you will say yes to Jesus and, and accept the free gift of salvation that God has for you, you have a promise, a promise of eternal life, an inheritance of what God has established, what Jesus, through his death and his resurrection, the adoption that God has made possible for us, we have been made part of that eternal inheritance with heaven. But we've also been made part of the promises of God's word and what he has established for his people. And um, the, thing that, the thing that oftentimes, and, and I guess the thing that we've been talking about a great deal here at CFA the last, several, uh, the last several weeks and even months has been about the promise of God. Um, being reminded of the promise of God, of the promises that God has for us. Fighting for those promises, defending those promises, pursuing those promises, living out the principles of those promises. And so um, over the last couple weeks, we've been talking about how uh, Moses has died in Joshua chapter 1. Joshua has been raised up as the next leader of God's people to go in and actually possess the promised land. And when it comes to possessing the promises of God in our life... When it comes to experiencing the promises of God in our life, we have to understand that there's a process that's even involved with that. Uh, many times we have the process of, of waiting. We have the process of waiting for the promises of God. But then when it comes to possessing the promises of God, we move out of this waiting and we move into the season of conquering and possessing what God has established and what God has promised. The Israelites, when they crossed the Jordan River in, uh, in Joshua, when, when we begin to read about them possessing the land, what happens in that moment is they begin 
positioning themselves to conquer the promise of what God has established for their life. And the difference of it is this. The, the Israelites didn't just cross the Jordan, walk over and say, this is our land, now we're here. And then that was all there was. And then everybody that was there, or every um, people group that was, possessed, that was currently possessing the land, they didn't just get up and pack their things and just leave. There was, a, there was a process where the Israelites had to conquer the enemies that were in front of them, conquer the enemies that were ahead of them, in order to possess the promise of what God had for them, of what God had chosen for them. And the same is true for us today as believers and as the church. God has given you promises. God has given you promises in His Word. He's given you promises as believers. He's given us promises throughout, um, th some through personal um, faith journeys and walks with God. And when it comes to those promises, we have to understand that oftentimes it doesn't just happen. There's oftentimes a process with the Lord of how that happens. The difference is, is when we're working for it and when God's working for it, it feels completely different. It's why Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The reason that Jesus said that was the understanding of when you go to conquer the promises of God, when you go to become who God has called you to be and take possession of the promises and the identity that God has established for you, there's a shift that happens in your life. Yeah, you're going to have some battles. You're going to have some enemies. You're going to have some trials. You're going to have some obstacles in possessing that promise. But the way that you possess it and what you have in order to possess it is going to be totally different. You understand where I'm coming from this morning? And so there's, there's, there's a shift that happens. And the shift is understanding that when God gives you a promise, it's yours. The Israelites, when they crossed over the Jordan and went to take possession of the land that God had promised, they weren't coming in and just deciding this will be the land that we choose. They were coming in and possessing the land that God had said is yours. And what we have to understand in the body of Christ is that God has called you and I to be something more than what the world says we are. God has called you and I to be something more than what the world views as important or views as essential or views as necessary. God has called you and I to be the church, the hands and feet of Jesus, the mission force on the earth, representatives of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to go in and take ownership and take possession of the place that has been occupied by the enemy. Tell your neighbor, I'm a conqueror. Tell your neighbor, I'm a conqueror. See, the thing is this. The enemy, we know in John 10.10, 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. The enemy would like nothing more than for you and I as the church to sit back and watch him occupy the places and the spaces that God has called us to occupy and have control over the people that God has called us to lead and settle for sitting outside of the city, sitting outside of the places that God has promised. Let, let, me, let me turn it 
it to you this way. The enemy would rather you settle for the current state of your marriage, the current state of your family, the current state of your finances, the current state of your church, the current state of your city, the current state of your state, of your nation, of your world, than he would for you to wake up and recognize that what God has said and what God has spoken about who you are and who you're married to, who you're leading as your family and those that you're responsible for and your finances and your job and your city and your church and your nation is far different than what it looks like right now. See, when the Israelites walked into the promised land, it didn't look like the promised land as you may have imagined or have dreamed it to be. But when you have eyes to see what the Word of God has said, when you have ears to hear what the Holy Spirit has spoken, when you have positioned and aligned yourself to take hold of everything that God has promised, there's a shift that happens in your life. And you begin to recognize, I am a conqueror of the promises that God has spoken. And I refuse to settle for any other force or any other space of the enemy to have control or dominion over what God has established. Tell your neighbor, I'm a conqueror. When you know it belongs to you, it shifts how you approach or how you handle the situation. I, I think one of the, the, the best ways to illustrate that is when it belongs to you and when it belongs to somebody else. I was raised that if it doesn't belong to you, you leave it better than you found it. So if I ride in your car, if I come to your house, if I stay in your home, if I go, if I travel somewhere, the, the, the goal that I was raised, the way that I was raised was you leave it better than you found it. We used to have winter retreats with our students and we would take them for a week during their two-week winter break. We would take them for a week and have services and events and all these things. And the last day of those retreats was always the longest because you were exhausted. The kids were exhausted. They never went to bed when you told them to go to bed. They didn't like it when you told them they had to get up, even on the days that you let them sleep in. But when it came time to clean, nobody wanted to do it. But, but, the, but the rule was, the rule was, we leave it better than we found it. So clean out. Well, that wasn't my trash. It doesn't matter. Pick it up. Well, that was, that was already out of place. It doesn't matter. Put it back. Straighten it up. Fix it. Do, it. do what needs to be done in order to do that. And we're the same way. There, when we go into someone's home for the first time, we're very reserved. We're very, we're very conscientious of everything. When we go in our house, we don't care. We just throw our coat down, take our shoes off, lay our purse. You put your purse down, lay your wallet, billfold keys. You come through my house and there's a trail. You know exactly where I came in, where I kicked my shoes off all the way back through the house to my bedroom, whether I went in the front door, whether I went in the side door. Why? Because your home, it's yours. The way you treat it is different than the way that others treat it because you own it. The way you treat it, the way you handle it is different because you own it. You feel comfortable because you own it. The same is true of the promises of God in our life and what God has established for us. We have to recognize that even though it doesn't look like we own it, we own it because, we says, because He says we own it. You hear me? We own it because he said there's a different, there's a shift. There was a confidence that the people, that the children of Israel had when they went into the promised land because they knew every other person that was in that place had no right and no authority to be there. If you go home today and someone you do not know is standing in your home, <laughs> some of you will exercise your Second Amendment rights. Others of you will scream in pure terror. Some of you will grab the closest thing that you have to you and chunk it at them. Every Why? Because it is your home and they do not 
belong. You have no right to be in this place. You have no authority to be in this home. You do not belong here. Every person that has children will immediately go into a defensive posture to protect their child. Every person will feel violated because of the intruders that have taken over. The same is true for us in the promises and the principles of what God has established as the church. Do not let the enemy take up residence in your home. Do not let the enemy take up residence in your marriage, in your children, in your finances, in your your job, in your in your church, in your city, in this state, in this nation. Do not settle for the enemy taking up residence. He does not belong. Amen. There was a shift that happened in the Israelites because they understood they were called to conquer the promise of God. They were called to go in and take what God had established, what God had made a covenant promise with Abraham about, that it belonged to them. Joshua Chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. This is what it says. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times. With the priests blowing the trumpets, when, when you hear them sound, a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. There is no way that the children of Israel could have taken the city of Jericho without the strategy and the plan of heaven. The reason they were able to possess the city of Jericho was because God had said, I have delivered it into your hands. Friends, let me tell you this morning, God has delivered promises into your hands. God has given you promises that He has said about who you are, about who your family is, about what you're called to do, and about what He has established for your life. Do not settle for the Jerichos in front of you. Do not settle for the giants that are ahead of you. Do not settle for what it looks like, what it seems like, or what it feels like. But rather stand upon the Word of God and realize, I have been called to conquer and to possess everything that God has established and that God has promised in my life. When you look at the definition of conquer, oftentimes it talks about taking by military force. The truth is, is you are the army of the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> tell, your neighbor, tell your neighbor, you're in the army. If you think for a second that this life isn't a battle or a fight, you are blinded by the lies of the enemy. Those days that you feel like were much longer than the last, can I just tell you there was the enemy was fighting you on fronts that you couldn't even see and recognize, and that's why you were exhausted. The Word reminds us in Ephesians chapter 6 that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of darkness. My fight is not with people, though people may say horrible things to me, though people may do horrible things to me. My fight is not with people, my fight is with the enemy. My fight is with Satan and his attempts to steal, kill, and destroy. My fight is with the curse that's on this land. But I don't have to settle for either one of those because I know who I am. Tell your neighbor, you got to know who you are. Three things I want to share with you this morning about conquering the promise. Number one is this. Remember God's word and promise. Remember God's word and promise. Let's just use Joshua for example this morning because... 
We like talking about him the last couple weeks, or at least I have. Verse number 1 of chapter 1 says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, Son of Nun, Moses is aid. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan into the land I'm about to give them. To the Israelites, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Now listen, hear that promise. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country into the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Joshua had to remember with every battle, with every fight, with every difficulty, with every opposition, that the land that he was standing on was the land that God was giving to them. That the places that he was going, he was going under the authority and the power of what God had spoken according to God's word and his promise, according to the revelation that God had given him. Friends, let me tell you something. There is nothing greater than remembering and knowing the word of God and the promise that he's established for his life. Listen, my Bible fell apart. Use it till it falls apart. Amen? Use it till it falls apart. Remember God's word and remember his promise in your life. Do not settle for anything less than what God says about your situation. You don't understand your situation right now. You don't understand the opposition that's against you. You've tried over and over and over and over again, and you feel like you're not getting anywhere. You feel like you're just spinning your tires. Get in the secret place with the Lord and begin to ask God, God, show me what you have to say about this situation. Whether it's financial, whether it's relational, whether it's professional, whatever it is, whatever situation or season of life you're in, if you don't know, get in the Word, get in that place with God and begin to cry out and say, Lord, show me. Teach me. Reveal to me. God, give me the strategies that you have. Lord, help me to know what your word says and what your promises are about my life. God, let me not settle for anything less than what you have promised and what you have established, what you have positioned me on this earth for. You have a gift and a talent, friend. God has given you a gift and a talent. God has put you on this earth for such a time as this. You're not an accident and you're not a mistake. You have a destiny and a purpose. Well, Connor, my destiny and my purpose doesn't make sense to me. Friends, it may not make sense to anybody on the face of the planet because there's nobody else that's like you. You are one and only, assigned and positioned by God for such a time as this. Do not minimize, do not, under, do not try to underestimate the power, effect, powerful effectiveness of God's plan and His promise in your life. You are here here for a reason. What is God's word? What is God's promise? What is God's plan for your life? Don't settle for anything less because when it comes to conquering the promise that God has established for your life and for mine, we have to know what his word says and what his promise is because there will be Jerichos and there will be giants and there will be battles And there will be fights. And if we do not remember what God has said and what He's spoken, and we do not remember the promise that He has given, we will give up. Tell your neighbor, don't give up. Tell your neighbor, don't give up. One of the biggest things the enemy tries to do is to get you and I to give up. Because if we'll give up, if we'll give up, He wins. If we'll give up, he wins. 
I am so sick and tired of the enemy winning. I am so sick and tired of seeing the enemy advance when I know that God is alive and on the throne and that God has established His church and that God has placed promises and plans within His Word for us to possess those promises and to see every lost soul encounter His love and experience the salvation and the healing and the freedom and the breakthrough that is available through the power of His Holy Spirit. I am... I'm beyond tired of seeing the enemy succeed. And I know that God has called and He has established conquerors on this earth to go in and take back what the enemy has stolen. Tell your neighbor, get ready. ready. Tell your neighbor, rise up. up. Preached that message a couple weeks ago. Uh, Listen, as the church, we got to wake up. Tell your neighbor, wake up. Wake up. Because the fight that you're up against and the battle that you're in today, it is not, listen, stop taking, stop taking personal what feels personal. Connor, you don't understand my situation. It is personal, absolutely. But understand that it's not personally against you as much as it is against the one who's within you. Because you, because you said yes, Jesus said this in John 16, He said, in this life you will face trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. In this life you will face many trials. In this life you will have many, many difficulties, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus has already won. And what has to happen in our lives is we have to understand that God has already won. God has already established the victory. It's just like what he said in verse number 2 to Joshua. He said, I've delivered, I've already delivered Jericho into your hands. It's already been delivered. Mind you, he's standing here and he can see Jericho and the walls are still up. And the city is still standing. And they haven't seen the victory. But he says to Joshua, I've already delivered the city into your hand. What would happen in the body of Christ? What would happen to us as the church if we would realize that what we think is the fight of our life, if what the enemy has done to try to steal, kill, and destroy in our life has actually already been overcome by the Lord? What would happen if we would realize that even though the giant is still standing firm and strong in front of us, the city is still still standing firm and strong in front of us, what would happen in the church if we would realize that the giant has already been delivered into our hands, that the battle has already been won, that God has already been victorious? What would happen in our lives as believers if we would stop spending all of our time worrying about how we're going to defeat the enemy in front of us and instead would take that time and begin seeking the one who's already delivered the victory to us? What would happen in those times as God would begin to reveal to us the plans and the strategies and the steps and the directions that he wants us to take in order to see that victory come to pass. We spend more of our time in the church worrying about how we're going to get the victory instead of seeking the one who's already won the victory. We spend more time worrying about the victory and how we're going to achieve it instead of seeking the one who's already won the victory. Tell your neighbor your battle's already taken care of. It's done. Man, there is, isn't, there is nothing more exciting than to know the biggest thing on your plate and the heaviest weight you have is taken care of. Isn't it wonderful? It, it, is, it is such a beautiful thing. It is such a gift to know when that, that, 
that project, when that task, when that responsibility is taken care of. <sighs> Somebody takes care of something for you at work that you thought was definitely going to land on your desk, that you definitely thought you were going to have to be responsible for. Your house was a mess, but someone that loves you, someone that cares about you, came in and cleaned it up, and you walked in, and all of it was already done. You, you, I mean, you know, that you have this major financial need, and, and suddenly there's a check in the mailbox, and it's taken care of, or you have some major problem, and you're not sure how it's all going to happen, or how it's all, but suddenly it's taken care of. Friends, can I tell you, that's exactly how God has called you and I to live. It's why I said in Matthew chapter 6, don't worry about your life. When we get to a place in the body of Christ that will stop worrying, it's the moment that we can realize that God already has it all under control. You don't have to have a plan. He's got one. Tell your neighbor, he's got a plan. We just have to spend time with him to figure out what steps we need to take to see it all come to pass. Verse number two, I've already delivered Jericho into your hands. The battle was won. In order to conquer the promise of God, in order to experience the promise of God in our life, we have to remember His word and His promise and what He had spoken. Seven days, God instructed them to march around the city. I don't know about any of you, but if I were Joshua, and I'd have this encounter with the Lord, and this, these are the instructions that He gave me for a victory against a city that is fortified with walls and plenty of fighting men. And I had to go back and tell my commanders, listen, here's, here's what we're going to do. I need seven priests to get, I need you to get some ram's horns, and I need you to get out in front, and I need the rest of you to get the ark, and I need the rest of the army, I need the front guard and the rear guard, and we're going to march around the wall. Oftentimes, oftentimes, we miss out on experiencing the victories and receiving the promises because we won't follow the plan. Because it doesn't make sense. There is nothing about that plan that made sense. What made sense about that? We're going to march around the wall and then we're going to go home. You, you know, if you look at it this way, all they were doing was circling their victory. All they were doing was worshiping what God had already, had already been done. All they did was walk around the city that God had already delivered and said, you know what, these walls may not have fallen yet, but in just a couple more days, in just a couple more days, you can laugh standing up on that wall today, but I'm telling you what's coming tomorrow. There's something powerful that unleashes in our life when we realize that when the plan doesn't make sense to us, it always makes sense to him. Because what was happening, if you understand what promise that God had given Joshua in chapter 1 was in verse number 6. Everywhere your foot steps is the land that I will give to you. They were walking around a city and every time they were stepping out around those walls, they were claiming another spot, another piece of the land that God said that he would give. They were remembering his word and his promise. Some of you need to circle your giants. Some of you need to circle your Jericho. Some of you need to circle your impossible situations in prayer, in praise, in worship, and declare, Jesus, I know that you are all I need and that what's in front of me and what I'm facing today is no match for the King of Kings. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, remember his word. Secondly, this morning, if we're going to conquer the promise, we have to recognize the enemy's illegal occupation. <laughs> we have to recognize the enemy's illegal occupation. Verse number three says this. 
So Joshua, or in, verse, in chapter 6, let me get out of chapter 5 and move to chapter 6. That'll help. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram swarms in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. The problem that we oftentimes have in our life as believers is that we fail to recognize The sickness in your life, the financial difficulty in your life, the impossible situation and circumstance that you're up against in your life is an illegal occupation of the enemy. He has taken up residence in an area that does not belong to him. The Israelites were going in to possess what God had said belonged to them. It was God's, not the people that were living there, not even the people that were conquering. It was, it's God's land. And God had said, this land belongs to you. At some point in our lives as believers, we have to recognize the enemy's illegal occupation and then begin to take steps to eradicate him. Because the enemy, if he has an open door... If he has permission to continue, he will do nothing but torment and terrorize you for as long as you will allow him to stay. The enemy has no authority in my home. He has no authority in my family. He has no authority in my finances. He has no authority in this church. He has no authority in this city. He has no authority in this state, this nation. Every place that I go, the enemy has no authority over the authority and the power of God. And what happens in our life as believers is we have to realize that God has called us to be conquerors. And we have to understand that there is an authority that God has given you over the enemy. There's a reason that I pray the prayer that I do before you leave. God, send the angels of heaven to surround your people this week. Let every attempt of the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy be broken. Let every attack of the enemy against their home, against their family, against their, against their jobs, the places that they work, the places that they drive, the vehicles that they drive in, let every attack of the enemy be stopped in the name of Jesus. The reason that I pray those prayers isn't just because it sounds nice or it makes you feel good. I pray those prayers because I understand the authority that God has placed on my life as your pastor and the anointing that God has placed within me and the authority that he's given me to declare and the authority that he's given me through the power of his word to not settle for what the enemy would rather do. And what happens in our life is when we understand what God's word says and what his promise said, there's a shift that begins to take place because instead of settling for what it looks like or what it seems like, we begin to rise up and declare, you have no authority here. It's just like what David did with the giant named Goliath. David came up and heard what he was saying and heard what he was doing and heard what had happened and the terror that had filled the hearts of God's army and of his people. And he said, who are you? 
you to defy the living God? Who are you to come against his people? What would happen in our lives if we would rise up as conquerors and realize, devil, you have falsely occupied this place for long enough. You've had far too much time in my marriage, in my kids, in my finances, in every area of my life. And I refuse to settle for your residence here any longer. I refuse to be okay with your presence and your power at work in this place. This home belongs to God. This marriage belongs to God. These children belong to God. My finances belong to God. This city belongs to God. I won't settle for what the enemy has said and what the enemy has spoken. I won't settle for what the past was. I won't settle for what the curse has been. I'm going to rise up as a child of God and say this place belongs to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and He is the Savior of the world. When He steps in on the scene, the sick are healed, the bound are set free, and the dead are raised. I'm tired of letting the enemy live here any longer. You can't have this place anymore. You've occupied this place long enough. I'm tired of the devil's lies. And I'm tired of his attempts to steal, kill, and destroy. And I'm tired of the church standing back and watching. This is the place that God has called us to possess. These are the promises that God has called us to conquer. These are the things that he has spoken about. Do not settle. Do not settle for what the enemy is doing in your family. Do not settle for what the enemy is doing in your finances. Do not settle for what the enemy is doing in your life. Do not let him get away with it. Conquer the place that God has established with the authority that God has given you as a child of God, as a representative of heaven, with the power of the Holy Spirit at work within your life. Take authority over the enemy and take back the land that God has promised you. Recognize the enemy's illegal occupation and kick him out. Kick him out. Ephesians chapter 6 reminds us that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of darkness. Hear me this morning. If someone has done you wrong, do not take offense towards them. Do what Jesus said and pray for them. <laughs> Don't pray the prayer like that was on the radio years ago. I'm praying for you, you know. Yeah, and many of you heard that song, praying that a flower pot falls from windowsill and knocks you in the head like I'd like to. That's, listen, you're going to have those moments with people. Let's all be real. You said, Jesus, I just want to pray right now. Just, just, you, you've been there. Your flesh has gotten in the, I call that your flesh. Your flesh has gotten in the way. You've just been like, Lord, just, 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 just drop a little lightning bolt right there by him. Just shock him. Just get their attention. Just let them know. You, know. you have those moments. I, but if you're not careful, if you take offense to people, you will live offended and miserable the rest of your life. And you will sit on the other side of the promise and never experience the blessings and the power of God. It's just the truth. And the enemy, I'm telling you, it's one of the biggest things in the church right now that the enemy uses to keep, it, keep God's people back. And so we sit offended and we never advance. We never move forward into the things that God has for us because we're too... We're too busy being mad and we're too busy being offended at people and at circumstances and situations that in the, in the scope of eternity don't make a difference. But man, the devil will use it. 
Don't settle for that offense. Don't settle for that lie of the enemy. Don't settle for that attempt of the enemy. Do not give in to the ways that the enemy would like to manipulate you to keep you from being and doing what God has called you to do. Your family is too important. You are too important. You matter to the king. It's why he sent his son. It's why Jesus came and died. It's why the Holy Spirit's here today. It's why you hear the Lord and you feel his presence in this place today. You matter to the king. You're important to the king. What you're up against and what you're facing and what you're going through right now, do not let people become the enemy. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you eyes to see and ears to hear what's really going on. And recognize the force that's behind the people who are doing and saying and acting the way they are towards you. And for every person that does you wrong, they have to answer for that to the Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm not as scared of you as I am as being in trouble by him. It was one thing when somebody would get... And listen, I want to say this from the standpoint. Please, please don't go back to this understanding that we had for so many years that God is just waiting for you to do wrong so he can smack you over the head. Thank you for that sound effect. <laughs> that's, not, that's not at all. But, but there was a difference when somebody got on to me and then when I knew my dad was getting on to me. Or when my mom was getting on to me. Because here's the, here's the biggest thing. For me as a kid, I didn't want to disappoint my parents. Because I knew I was blessed with a mom and dad who, who loved me. They had an amazing encounter with Jesus. And they fell madly in love with God. And so they, they, they were just the love of God to us. And, and they were a constant example of that. But the biggest thing that I couldn't stand of getting in, in trouble with mom and dad for was because I knew it disappointed them. It wasn't even that, it wasn't even that I that I was gonna be in this immense amount of punishment or anything. It was the fact that I had disappointed the people who, uh, who had always told me how proud they were of me. And and the same is true, the same is true with the Lord. I don't want to disappoint the king of kings and the Lord of Lords, because God is He is my heavenly father. I want to make him proud. I look forward to that day when I stand before and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Knowing all the while (laughs) the stuff that if it hadn't been for Jesus and the grace of God, I would never get to experience. Thirdly this morning, I could stay there all morning, but I can't. Thirdly this morning, I'm waiting on y'all. Realize, not y'all, I'm waiting on on, on them. Realize you are more than a conqueror. Realize you are more than a conqueror. Tell your neighbor, you're more than. You're more than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. At some point, we have to have a realization in the church that we're, we're more than a conqueror. Don't settle for defeat. Jesus didn't. Don't settle for defeat. David didn't. Don't settle for defeat. Joshua didn't. Do not settle for defeat. Do not settle 
for what it looks like or feels like today. Do not settle. Because if you settle, you will miss out on seeing what God has already delivered to you. Well, I don't see it. Spend some time in His presence and let Him give you eyes to see. Well, I don't hear it. Spend some time in His presence and let Him give you ears to hear. I don't know when it's going to happen. Wait on the Lord. Tell your neighbor, wait. Listen, when it comes to waiting, it doesn't mean you just sit there and twiddle your thumbs. Spend time in His presence. But until the promise comes to pass, wait patiently on the Lord. Let heaven give you strategies and let heaven reveal to you ways that God is giving you to to handle the situation that you're facing or that you're up against. What's blocking you from the promise and the plan of what God has established and what He's placed and what He's positioned in your life. We have to be willing to wait and we have to be willing to conquer in order to possess and experience what God has promised for us as His children. Romans chapter 8, verse number 31 says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Tell your neighbor, God's for you. God is for you. Not just the person beside you, in front of you, or behind you, but God is for you. God is fighting for you. Just as much as you're fighting for your for your family, just as much as you're fighting in your finances, as much as you're fighting for your health, as much as you're fighting for all of those things, which are all promises and things that God addresses throughout His Word, while you're fighting for all of those things, understand that, that nobody has fought as much as God has fought for you. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did, the, who, the, he who did not spare His Son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who is raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. <laughs> what shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation, in all creation, in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Tell your neighbor, the victory is yours. If we're going to conquer the promise, we have to remember God's word and promise, recognize the enemy's illegal occupation, and realize that we are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The enemy does not have the final say over your life, your situation, or your circumstance. God has the last word. So when it looks impossible, when you get up tomorrow, when you wake up in the morning and you're reminded of what the obstacle is in front of you, the Jericho that's ahead of you, the giant that you feel is taunting you, remember that you are more than a conqueror. 
and in the word and the promise of what God has established, remember what he has to say about your situation and your circumstance. Remember what he has to say about the battle that you're going through. Remember what he has to say about who you are and what God has promised in your life and settle for nothing less. Because every single time, God will bless you. Every single time, God will answer you. And God will show you his faithfulness. Day one, they marched around the walls. Day two, they marched around the walls. Day three, they marched around the walls. Day four, they marched around the walls. I think day four, if it, Jonathan and I were there, I looked at Jonathan and said, do you think we're ever going to stop marching around these walls? <laughs> Are we there yet? <laughs> Is it over yet? You know, when it comes to conquering and when it comes to the battle and it comes to the fight, we just want it to be over. That's why I preached the message that I did about enjoying the journey. Instead of turning that assignment that the Lord gave them to march around those walls as a burden, turn it into a, a, a moment to worship. Instead of complaining, like we so often do, as I said, I probably would have done Jonathan. Why in the world? Turn it into a, turn it into a moment to worship. Remembering his word and his promise. It may feel like I'm never going to get around this city. And it may feel like what I'm doing is ridiculous. And it may not make sense to anybody else. And at times I question it myself. But I know what his word said. And I know what he promised. So I'm going to keep marching. Day four they marched. Five they marched. Six they marched. And then on the last day. We're going to circle it more than once. More than twice. More than three times. <laughs> you know, when your breakthrough is about to happen is often when it requires the most of us to fight. So if you feel like you're circling it more than you've been circling it in a long time, just know there's about to be a shout of praise. And just know there's about to be a victory. Because you're more than a conqueror. Because when you circle that last time, <laughs> and the commander of heaven issues the call, to lift up the sound of the trumpets and to lift up your voice and shout. Just know the walls are about to fall and the victory is going to be yours. Listen, it may look like I'm just walking around in a circle, but you better know I'm on an assignment from the king. It may look like I'm just doing the same thing day in and day out of the job that I'm at, but you don't understand I'm on an assignment for the king. It may seem like this time that I'm spending reading the word and this time that I'm spending praying isn't having any effect, but I'm just telling you, I'm circling for the king. I'm on assignment for the king. I'm here because he has called me. I'm here because he has promised to me. I'm here because he has established me. What it may look like to you is not much of anything, but what's happening is I'm actually in the process of conquering for the king of kings and the Lord of lords and experiencing the promise in my life. Don't stop circling. Don't settle. Conquer the promise. Amen.